last class for Faith Foundations, and we are going to stay on the topic of faith requires action. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11.1. 1. And James 2.14-22 says, You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. So how is faith perfected? With works. We're going to look at two different areas. We're going to look at faith in action in the New Testament and faith in action in the Old Testament so that you've got an example of each one of these. So in the Old and New Testament, we see examples of how God's people were able to accomplish mighty deeds by putting their faith into action. Great miracles happened through humble men who acted upon God's word in faith. In the Old Testament, let's look at Joshua chapter 6. I'd like you to turn there. Joshua chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 2. And we're, this is the, the story or the account about Joshua and the walls of Jericho, which most of you are probably familiar with. But in verse 2, the Lord speaks to Joshua, and he says, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. Now, notice that is past tense. I have given Jericho into your hands. Something that I want you to see from this is that even though God said it had been given, there was still action required. So it was not enough for them to have just believed what God said here. They had to believe and act. So let's, let's look down a little further. In verse 3, the Lord tells him what to do. He says, And you shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. He gave very specific instructions as to the actions they were to take. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, Notice this, they are, they're told to shout before they saw the results of their faith and the action they were told to take. They were to shout before the walls came down. So they're told to shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. A lot of times people think, well, I've prayed, I've believed God, and when I get it, then I'll get excited. But that's actually not the proper order. God wants to see our faith by our heart attitude before it's granted. So he wants us actually believing and excited about the result of our faith even before it's granted. And that's what was happening here. He's telling them, you're going to walk around the city. And he tells them exactly how they're going to do it. What do you think would have happened if they hadn't followed the directions that God gave them? They probably wouldn't have gotten the same results. This is a little side journey I'm going to take. It is very important when God leads you to do something that you follow him all the way through. When God leads you to do something and he gives you direction for something, whether it's a business investment, let's just say it is a business investment. It is very important, not that you just begin the process of that investment, but it is important that you stay with his directions and his leading 
all the way through until completion. For instance, if it's real estate, why? Because value of real estate can go up and down, and you need to stay real close with God in terms of timing of the market, in terms of what you're doing. So when you make business deals, you want to stay real close to the Lord and stay with his direction in that so that you get the results that you want to get. They gave directions here about how to take this city. How to take this city is not really very different from how to get your own house, how to start your own business. See, God will give you ideas for starting your own business that will work for you, that will work for the area that you're going into. It may not work for the guy next to you, but it will work for you. See, God will show you things, and he'll show you things to stay away from, and he'll show you what to go into. But so much better is a man that seeks the Lord before he puts his hand to an issue, puts his hand to the plow, that he knows from the Lord what he's called to do and how to do it. So seek God and get the directions from God, and then your way will be successful because you've, you've submitted your plans to the Lord. And if he needs to change something, he can change something because you're seeking him for his direction, and then he'll make what you put your hand to a success. They had specific instructions. Because they followed the specific instructions and they were obedient, they got a good result. And the good result was that, yes, they shouted even when the walls were up, but because of their obedience, those walls came down and it was given to them. Now that does not seem like it's a real hard act to do. It's real hard to march around a city that many times. But have you ever led a group of people? It would be one thing if God gave you the directions to march around the city with these kind of specific directions. It's another thing to convince a whole bunch of people to follow you and do it your way, to follow you, convince them that you heard from God and these are the directions. They had, he had a whole bunch of people that were supposed to be following him. Have you ever run anything and had people not want to follow? What would have happened if the priests had said, oh, no. We're not sure you heard from God. We don't really want to walk around it that many times. I'll tell you what, I've got stuff to do, so let's just walk around it seven times today and get the whole thing over with. I mean, you know, what's the difference? Does it really matter? If we're supposed to walk around there seven times, then let's just do it now. What would have happened? Wouldn't have been the same results because it's not what God had said. He had to have everybody on board with him. Can you imagine getting that many people to be in agreement with you every day? What about just waking them up on time? Everybody's got to wake up at the uh, you know, same time because we're going to be here. We're going to meet here at the same time every day, and we're all going to walk around here. Oh, no, Fred and Joe went fishing. Well, but God told all of us to do this. I need Fred and Joe. You know, Fred and Joe need to be here. We need to obey the Lord. You know, we need to do it this way. Oh, so-and-so's tired. They're sleeping in. And so we think, well, this just seems so easy. So, so easy. All you had to do was march around. So we, it's very easy for us to just read over this and think, oh, that doesn't seem like a big deal. I mean, he just told you what to do, and then you blow this horn, and you shout, and then the walls come down. They had to convince a lot of people to go do this. In unity, what if they had had people deciding, oh, I don't want to do it just like that. Let's just shout now. Or I don't want to shout now. When I see the walls come down, then I'll shout. It would have messed everything up. Everybody had to be in unity. Everybody had to be in agreement. Everybody had to be following the plan to get the results that God wanted for them. God has specific directions, and he has specific directions for specific reasons, and we may not even always know them. I don't know why God told them to do it that way. I don't know why God impressed upon Jesus to spit into the clay and pick it up and wipe it on somebody's eyes so that they would be healed and they could see. Sometimes I wonder 
I don't know this, but I wonder if God tells us to do things different ways so that we keep our dependence on him as our leader and on him in our relationship so that we stay close to him. Sometimes I wonder if God doesn't show us our entire future because some of us would just go run and do it. Thanks, Lord. Let's go. And so sometimes it's also because it requires faith when it's step by step by step. You may not know what's out there for you in five years, but if you know what you're supposed to do today and you're obedient in what you're supposed to do today and you're obedient every day seeking him, what am I supposed to do today? Then in five years, you'll be in the right place. So we don't need to get all concerned about what's five years ahead. We just need to be concerned about obeying him today and staying close to him today, seeking him today. It seems also that God has things done different ways so that we don't get religious and set up traditions so that there's not always one way to pray for somebody. This is where we become, we, we know the word of God, we follow the word of God, but we become very dependent upon God our Father, the Holy Spirit, when we go to pray for somebody. Our faith is required, and then we're dependent on him, listening to the Holy Spirit. What is it? What do they need? I had somebody come, have I shared this before? I had somebody come up to the healing line one time, try to avoid stuff like this, but if I really am impressed, I'm supposed to do it. They wanted healing for their physical body, but they'd come up for healing several times, and we'd prayed for them, and they came up this one time, and God told me to tell them to go lose weight. That in other words, some of their issues were because they were overweight. And they were wanting God to heal them, but they weren't wanting to do their part. And so what they were, so the extra weight, and they were very overweight. And, and it was, ma they had major physical issues, heart issues, and other issues. And so that's what I got in my spirit. And I didn't really want to say anything. But I'm thinking, but if I don't say anything, then I'm accountable for this. And I don't want something to happen to this person. And really want this person to obey the Lord. And to have the blessings from God, and if this is what God is saying, then this is the best thing that's going to help them right now. So there was no unction to lay hands on this person. I just gave them that information, prayed a blessing on them so that they wouldn't be embarrassed, treat them the same way you treat everybody, and just keep going down the line. But that's what I told them. This is what the Lord says. But how do I know that? Just staying sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I've prayed for lots of other people, and God never said that. I've prayed for that person before, three or four times, and God never said that. But that time, God was addressing it. So how do we know these things? It's by staying sensitive to the Holy Spirit. When God calls on you to go pray for somebody, how are you going to know how to pray for them? By the Holy Spirit. What do they need? What do they need? And you're going to tap into God, your Father, who loves them more than you do, who cares and has more compassion for them even than you do, even though you may feel that compassion well up on the inside. And then you seek the Lord. What do I say? What do they need? Here's another thing. Giving people what they can receive, not just what you know they need. And there's a difference there. You may know a lot, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the person you're ministering to is able to receive a lot. Sometimes we just give them a little bit at a time. And you go back and then you give them a little bit more. And then a little bit more depending on what their background is or what they're able to receive. Sometimes if you give them all that you've learned and you want to do it in one sitting, you overwhelm them, or I'm even going to use this word, freak them out, and then they don't want to have another one sitting with you. 
because you've scared them or you've overwhelmed them. How do you avoid that? By not going out of what you know, what you've learned up in your head, but by staying sensitive in your heart. God, what do you want me to say to them? What do they need to hear? And you use your faith. Well, how do I know God's going to say something? Because you believe that he will. You believe that he's leading you, and that's something that you can be confessing. Father, I thank you that you know that my life on this earth is, has been set apart for your glory, that everything I do and every day I wake up, I wake up to your glory, to glorify your name. That's what I want to do, Father God. Every day of my life, I want every day of my life to count. Every day of my life, I want to do the things that you want me to do. I want to be the person you want me to be. So I trust this day, Father God, that as I go about my job, that you're leading me and guiding me, that I will have utterance from the Holy Spirit, and it'll come up from the inside of me, from my spirit man, and I will know what to say and what to do. As I go from person to person to minister, I will know what they need, because some may just need a smile put on their face. So maybe some I just smile at them and I laugh with them or I tell them a joke because a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And yet others may be dying of cancer and those you may lay hands on and cast a spirit of cancer out of them. How do we know what to do? We know what to do by how God leads us, by staying sensitive to him and believing that each day he leads us and guides us. Each person we come into contact with, we're called to make disciples. You and me, not just me, you and me, means you're called to teach too. And even if you think, well, I'm not a teacher, oh, well, you need to just kind of, let me help you with that scripture. Because you're sitting here for a reason. You're sitting here for a reason because God's wanting to give you information. Because he has a lost and a dying world out there that needs to know what you know. That needs to be able to hook on to your faith and say, carry me through this. I need some help. And don't you know that doesn't it seem like we all have times like that? There are times where you may be real strong and there are times where people can lean on you and there are times where you need to go lean on somebody else. See, somebody may be real strong for financial faith, but somebody else may be real strong in the area of health. So somebody may be health things and you go find your friend that's real strong in that and you get in agreement with them. And if they need help with the prosperity, then you go find your friend that's real strong in the prosperity. We're, we're meant to be a body that supports one another and helps one another. And we all have different strengths and different gifts. And we're to work together to help each other in those things. So we looked at Joshua. Even though Joshua was told by the Lord that it had been given into their hand, they still had action. They had to do something. It wasn't just sit back on easy street. It's all been, been done for you. There were specific directions and they need to follow those. Now let's look in the New Testament. Luke chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. Here is an account of a paralytic that got healed. Now, verse 18, And behold, some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in to set him down in front of him, being Jesus. And not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with his stretcher right in the center in front of Jesus. Notice verse 20. And seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. And then in verse 24, but in order that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise and take up your stretcher and go home. And at once he rose up before them and took up what he had been laying on and went home glorifying God. It took faith 
And Jesus said and commented on their faith, that he saw their faith. How did he know they had faith? It would take faith for how many paralyzed people do you know would want to be put on a stretcher, carried up onto a rooftop, and then dropped through the tiles? I don't know if you've ever, have you ever seen people in a wheelchair? They get real, not, I shouldn't say all of them, but I've been around some people, and they're real particular. I know this one person, they're real particular about how you even push their wheelchair. They want you to be real careful going over bumps, and if you tip them back at all to go up a step, it's a big issue because they don't have control over those things. And so it's a big issue for them to, to yield that control to somebody else. So they want to get real wild with all the directions and the do's and the don'ts. And So here is a paralyzed guy letting his friends, I mean, you know, how did they even do that? Carrying him up onto a roof and drop him through the tiles? What, on ropes? I mean, you know, everybody's got to let that rope down at the same time. If that's how they did it, I don't know. Because you know what happens if three let it down and one doesn't? <laughs> you know, if he had four friends and three let the rope down and one didn't, he could be upside down. I mean, I don't know. Have you ever been around people that are in situations like that? Real pain. This took faith. It took faith from him to be willing to let his friends do this. Then not only that, it took faith on his friend's part. Because here they get to the house. And there's a crowd. They can't even get in. Again, a lot of people would have given up at that point. Oh, well, I guess we can't get in. We'll just have to wait. We'll have to come back another time. It's too full. Let's go home. Aren't you hungry anyway? I mean, really, Sam, I haven't eaten. I haven't eaten. And then it took a lot longer to carry this guy on the pallet here anyway. And I'm really hungry. Let's just go. But they didn't do that. They stuck with it. They stuck with it. And they stuck with their friend. So they had faith for their friend to get healed. They had so much faith that they didn't mind even being rude. What if you owned the house and they were up on the roof? I mean, they had obstacles to overcome. I mean, it's rude. You're going to go climb up on somebody's roof that you don't even know? And I don't know if they removed those tiles or if there were some missing. What if they were removing tiles? I mean, we don't, we don't know. So it's an issue being on top of a roof. And now what about all the people that had gotten there early, got that front row seat right in front of Jesus? And what do you think they would have been saying while well, somebody's trying to, you know, what if somebody brought their grandmother to be healed, got the front row seat, got there early, you know, walked for a day, got into the room, and they're sitting in the front row, and here they come. Who do they think they are? They're just going to drop that guy through the roof right in front of me when I got here early? So do you think they had some opposition? I think they probably did, but they were definitely willing to push through the opposition to get the healing that they wanted. There are some good friends for you, I'll tell you. Those are the kind of friends you want to have. Type of friends that will do something like that for you, stick with you, carry you where you need to be carried. Those were some good friends. And so Jesus, when he saw their faith, he said this, take up your stretcher and go home. Here's another interesting thing. When he said that, he wasn't healed yet. When did the healing come? The healing came. Why? Because he was still paralyzed. The healing came when he started to try. Not try to believe. He had to be believing already. He was in faith already. That's why he was there. But he didn't say, he didn't say, I can't. He knew he couldn't, but he also knew he was with Jesus. And so he took Jesus at his word. That when Jesus said, take up your pallet and go home, take up your pallet and walk, he took him at his word. If Jesus is telling me that, then it means that I can. And then when he started to act on his faith, the healing was manifested in him, and then he was made able to do it. And we've seen that by different accounts. It depends on how people respond to the Lord. They can sit there and say they can't, 
they're not able to. But most of the accounts that we have in the Bible that people going to Jesus for healing, they receive the healing. And there's a big difference between praying for people, offering to pray for people, and you going to people versus people coming to you. There's a lot of hurting people in the world. I remember walking in the grocery store one time, and I saw this girl. She was beautiful, blonde hair, beautiful, beautiful girl. She was with her father. And when I looked at her, I could tell she was something, partially retarded or something. Something was wrong. But, she, her, but her looks were just beautiful. And I, I thought, oh, in my heart. You know, I'm like, oh, Lord, God, God. And I'm looking to him, looking to him, because I wanted to do something. But I, by myself, can't do anything. It's got to be him. And so I looked to him and I asked him, are you doing anything here right now? And I had to check. I don't know why. But it means he wasn't doing anything there. Maybe it meant it wouldn't have been received. You know, and I've had that happen before. I, in Santa, I was in Santa Barbara one time and I saw a man in a wheelchair. And oh, it, see, it, my heart used to just go out to people until God started giving me more understanding of things that sometimes people are in certain situations because of sin, because they refuse to turn to God, they refuse to change their ways, they refuse to be obedient, that there are reasons sometimes why people have certain situations. Now, God's still merciful and he loves them, but they've got to turn, they've got to change, they've got to be willing to let go of that and seek God and believe God for healing. And if they're not willing to let go of the sin, then sometimes they just continue in whatever state they're in. And I saw this guy in the wheelchair, and oh, oh, I wanted to do something. And I did at that point. But I didn't seek God too much. I just, I stepped out. I, can I pray for you? Because I know God can heal you. Well, see, God can heal you. It's very different from God will. And God and the Holy Spirit is initiating. So I've learned some things. And oh, they rebuked me. They rebuked me. Me and my God, they rebuked. It was bad. Okay, so I kind of learned. So we don't just necessarily step out there just because we see that somebody needs something. But we need to be more led than that. Because there's people everywhere. And so now I just ask God because I'm God's servant, but I'm here to do what God wants me to do. I'm not here to go do my own thing just because I see somebody in need. Now, sometimes compassion can well up on the inside of you, and that may be different because Jesus talked about he felt compassion on the multitude. Therefore, he took action. But this wasn't necessarily spiritual compassion. It was just more of a natural, oh, God, I know you can do something. But people that have come to me, I shared the story about God healing me from scoliosis. Somebody went, their hairdresser happened to have had scoliosis. So while they were, that was in the class. So somebody uh, shared the story that I had been healed of scoliosis. They should come to me and we should pray for them. They actually were in a different church. So I, I cleared it with their pastor to make sure that was okay. Told them that, I said, after God heals you, you need to go back to your church. You understand that, right? Because that's the condition of me praying for you. You need to go back to your church. I understand that. Okay. So then got the pastor's permission. They, came, they brought in here, laid hands on them for curvature of the spine, and it was healed. Now, it was healed partially, not completely. They had more to go. And so I gave them books. But they had received a partial healing. That, that spine had started to straighten up because they were, gonna, they were scheduled to go in for major surgery. It was so bad that their body was, their uh, rib bones were pressing into their lungs and were about to puncture their lungs so that, that, that it was so deformed. They got healed, 
And then I gave them a whole bunch of books to keep building up their faith so that they would hold on to that healing and they would then continue to receive the rest of that. But I'm giving you that story because they came to me because they had faith because they heard what I had gone through. I've found much greater results in people that come to me for healing than me going and trying to find people that need it. You know why? Because if they're coming to you, they're already believing. They're already believing. Now, there was another time where uh, Brad and I were ministering to somebody that was scheduled to go in for surgery. And so we've, got, we've gotten better at this. And so we sat down with them. What you want to do is locate where they're at spiritually. Identify their faith level, what they can believe God for. And so we just kind of talked them. And you can be kind of casual. They don't necessarily need to know what you're doing, but that's what you're doing. And you can tell a lot by the words people say. And so we started talking to them, and we asked, well, so you're going to go in for the surgery, and you think that's what you should do? You should go have the surgery? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so their faith was in the surgery. That's okay. If doctors can help them, that's where their faith is at. Let them go get the help. So we said, so what do you think? What, where do you think God will hook up with you in this? And what do you think? How do you think God's going to help you? What do you want to come out of this? And they said, well, I want to believe for speedy recovery. That they say I have to be, I'll be in the hospital for, I don't know what it was, approximately a week. But I think after three days I can get out. I said, okay, that sounds good. And I believe that God's going to really help the surgeon. What we can see is they're not believing that God's going to heal their hip. They're believing they need to go have surgery. That's where their faith is. But what they can believe for is that they'll heal really fast. Because they were not open to teaching this person. We didn't try to then teach them, well, God has better and God has a better way. They weren't open to that. They were very defensive. All we did then was hook up with where they were at. Well, let's pray for that then. And then we prayed that the doctors would have skill and that they'd see everything, they'd do everything perfectly, and that there would be a very, very quick recovery time. And guess what? That's what they got. That's where their faith was at, but we just hooked up with them in agreement with where they were at. So it's important when you're praying for somebody that you help identify where they're at. A lot of times we want to do something for somebody. They don't necessarily want it. I've even prayed for somebody that kept coming for healing. When they came to me several times, I really started seeking the Lord. And as I started seeking the Lord, God started showing me they don't really want to get healed. And I'm thinking, well, God, how can that be? How can that? This is private. I'm not doing, doing this in front of them. They started showing me they don't really want to get healed. And I'm like, God, how can that be? How could somebody not want to get healed? And then he showed me they were getting disability payments. And if they got healed, they lost their disability payments, and they'd have to go to work. And they didn't want to go to work. And see, and I didn't understand that until, until God started showing me something. And then I could start asking them questions, which confirmed what God had showed me. I started, see, our goal is to help people. It, it's not to, to criticize. It's not to condemn. We find out where people are at, like God, and we want to love them and build them up and help them and encourage them. So then what I realized was that this person didn't first need healing. They first needed to believe that they could get a job. And they first needed to believe that God would provide for them from another source besides that disability. Now, that's a process, but do you understand how it's important to find out what people really believe? Here's somebody that seems really genuine, coming up several times wanting, wanting healing. And so you think, well, if they're coming for it, they must really want it. But see, God knows things in our hearts. God knows. And so you tap into the Holy Spirit, and then you know. Why? Because you want to be able to help them. 
So then you figure out how to help them. Well, you gotta help them in that area first before you can even start dealing with the healing issues. See, God's good, God's loving, he's kind. He doesn't show us things to embarrass anybody. He shows us things so that we know how to help somebody. But also the issues of the heart are very important and have a lot to do with faith and a lot to do with healing. Okay, so let's summarize then. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith requires action. Confession and action often go hand in hand. It is not enough to have faith, but that faith has to be released, and it's released through words, and it's released through our confession, and then through action. And Jesus commented on great faith when he talked to the centurion. And great faith was very simply taking God at his word, believing God's word. And the centurion was willing to do that. So the centurion said, you just say the word. And Jesus said, be it done to you according to your faith, or as you have believed. Not according to Jesus' faith, according to his faith. This is why this class is so very important. Faith doesn't just affect healing, but it affects everything we do in life. It affects the jobs we get, the jobs we can believe for. It affects uh, the homes we can buy. It affects how much we can tithe. It affects how much offerings we can give to the kingdom of God to promote the gospel. Faith affects everything. It takes faith to believe God for a spouse. It takes faith. It takes faith, doesn't it? It takes faith, especially when you feel like you've been waiting a long time. A long time. It takes faith. It takes faith. It takes faith. It takes faith not to quit. It takes faith not to give up. It takes faith and endurance. With faith and patience, we inherit the promises. So don't give up, even though some things may seem like they're a long time in coming. You just pray over that person, right? So that when you do get them, they're in better shape. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding. You pray that they're in better shape. I'm not just talking about physically. I mean, I'm really primarily talking about spiritually. So that when you do get them, they're nice to you. <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, you know, if they've got any rough, just think like this. God's just rubbing off their rough edges. He's just saving me from pain. He's going to rub off those rough edges. So by the time I get, you know, diamonds are pretty nasty looking until they've been, what, buffed and cut and polished. I mean, they're. I mean, you wouldn't even know it was a diamond. It looks like some type of little, just white stone, rock. Actually, even rock, rock. Who wants that? Would you rather have a diamond? Yeah, get it when it's been just cut, just perfectly, just to fit you. Shine, buff. So, so Father, I thank you that their employer is helping take off those rough edges right now. Their mother. <laughs> Their sister, their brother, you're just rubbing them up. You're preparing them for me. Oh, you're teaching them the word. You're making them a man of prayer and a woman of prayer. Oh, you're getting them baptized in the Holy Ghost. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. You're preparing them. You're getting them ready so that when I meet them, I'll be at where they're at and they'll be at where I'm at. So praise the Lord. If you're in Bible school, they're going to be in a good place, right? And God's got something good for you. So you just think about that. He's buffing them up. He's buffing them up so that when you come together, it's not just ironing, iron sharpening iron. Because, you know, sparks can fly. So there are some benefits to getting married at a little bit of an older age. 
I wouldn't know. In my case, it was iron sharpens iron, and we had some sparks flying, but that's okay. Praise the Lord. You make the best of whatever your situation is, right? And you thank God for it, but in your situation, you might as well be praying for that spouse and be believing God that that spouse is on the way, and God's just taking care of them and getting them so that they're well-suited for you. So pray for that spouse. You pray for that spouse? They'll keep your faith up. Yeah, I'm praying for, I've been praying for Chad's spouse. She loves me. Oh, you're not, you think I'm kidding? She loves me. She thinks I'm great. She loves me, and I love her. She's easy to get along with. Yeah, I'm starting now. Actually, I started a long time ago. Actually, I started probably before he was born. But, yeah, is that important? Yeah. And that she's well-suited for him. And that he waits for the right person. You know, he's young, but you guys can be doing the same thing. Because it'll keep your faith up. It'll keep your faith charged. And now, we're not finished. You want to think about this. How buffed are you? You buffed? Are you buffed? You think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding. You want to go out of your house, and you want to be dressed, and you want to be ready, and you want to be looking like you're going to meet that person that day. You don't know what day it's going to be. Are you ready? You ready? You don't want to go out in your robe and curlers and your hair with matching slippers. I mean, it's nice that you match your slippers and your robe, but... What if he's out? What if it's the mailman? And you go out to get the mail dressed like that. So you want to be at your best, right? And if you're single, you want to be at your best all the time. All the time. Because you are the ad. Right? You are your advertising campaign. You are a walking ad. What kind of ad are you sending out? Going out grouchy? Everybody gets in my way today. Well, no, hopefully not. And so, and so, and so, what? What if you just honk at your future spouse? Because you were both rushing to see who could get into Starbucks first for that morning coffee. And then what do, you, what do you know? There he is in line, and you're, you're, you're now wanting to hide. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. So you want to be ready. You want to be ready. You want to be ready spiritually. You want to be ready in the natural. Amen. God bless you.